Hey, Elise. Hey, James. Welcome to Film House. Love being here. What's the topic today? Well, as you may realize, it was only two short weeks ago that we started the ultimate consensus in film discussion. Uh, we were attacking the perfect film bracket. This is something that we had seen on social media where we people were listing what they thought were five perfect films. Each of us brought some of our perfect films um, out. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce my guests today. We're just going to jump right in because we have a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. We have Dan Schneider. Hi, everybody. Back, back on the show. And So Adam we're not Jones. allowed to sub at all, James. No. You, Dan asked me about subbing in things this morning. I'm like, you can't sub things in. These these movies have been training all season to get to this point. <laughs> we got Adam Kovic. Hello. I think I found a hair in my coffee. Mm. <laughs> and of course, yep. the lovely Elise. <laughs> Thank you. This is not subjective. We are picking the most objectively perfect films. And there's been a lot of rigorous debate. A lot of feelings getting hurt. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how this shakes out today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After part one, we got through, I mean, only a few of these films. You think but... Scorsese saw this? I don't think <laughs> he's on the list anywhere, <laughs> honestly. I mean, do you, think, do you think he watched or listened to Filmhouse? Oh, absolutely. He's a huge fan. Um, but And he can't wait to see get to, get to the bottom of this. We're going to finish this today. We're finishing this yeah, this episode. So we're going to get right into it. Um, I, can I tell you what I'm most excited for? Yeah, tell me what you're most excited for. It's for some controversial Shane decisions. <laughs> if, if you listen to the last episode, you'll know that our TD Shane, mm-hmm. um, who's doing the beautiful camera switching, he had to weigh in at some very, very important points to be a tiebreaker for us. Now the most hated man on the internet mm-hmm. because of you know his love for Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Shane? Uh, Boo, Shane. Wish you the best, man. You're brave, Shane. You're bra- braver than us. Yeah, we appreciate braver it. Braver than us. Um, before we start, I'm just going to list what is still in the running. Okay. If you haven't, if you if you're just topping in now, we recommend going back and watching uh, the episode from two weeks ago. It would be the previous film house, though, um, where we list off all the films and kind of how we set up this nonsense bracket and how we've gotten to the point so far. But for the, those of you who are all up to speed, I'm just going to go ahead and list off. Here's what's still in the running: Terminator 2, The Dark Knight. The Godfather Part 2, Moulin Rouge, Blade Runner, The Princess Bride, Royal Tenenbaums, Paddington 2, The Exorcist, Apocalypse Now, Aliens, and City of God. Those are the only films that remain in this list. This all seems so trivial now that you read it mm-hmm. back to me. Why? What do you <laughs> I mean? <know. laughs> I, just, I, was, I was just looking again at that, that very first bracket of Gra- Groundhog Day versus Terminator 2, and then I, I thought, this is... This is us paying tribute to Harold Ramis's memory. Oh, he died. I don't. That's listen. Yeah. That doesn't fa- objective. You can't put your emotions involved. Uh, I'll just for the just for the sake of things, I'll also li- list what's been eliminated, and then yeah, we're gonna have please. to jump immediately right into it because we have to get through yeah, we, it. All right, go. Groundhog Day mm-hmm. was eliminated. The Fifth Element was eliminated. Mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road was eliminated. Uh, Shawshank Redemption was eliminated. Raiders of the Lost Ark was eliminated. <laughs> Uh, Akira, which I will pronounce that way. Sorry, commenter who was upset about that. <laughs> His name isn't Ryu. All right, let's put it that way. Akira. Um, What's wrong with, yeah, a high Kira? <laughs> it's uh, Quesadilla. Robocop was eliminated, and Your Name, the anime that those that were familiar with, completely on board with, those that were not, <laughs> didn't appreciate it being on the list. Um, but that's Out of the way league. perfect films work. You know, this isn't our favorite film. 
This isn't even the best film. We don't want to do this. These are the perfect. Do you think this brings us joy <laughs> or some it. kind of sense, sense of satisfaction? No. This, mm, we, we've been nothing. tasked with nothing. doing this. So let us continue this burden Let's and continue right in. We're going to the East Coast now, technically. We're going to go to the East Coast, whoop, whoop. work down this bracket. Then we're gonna probably bring that down to number two, and then we're gonna get we got a quarterfinals. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Blade Runner mm-hmm. versus film. The Princess Bride. Easy. Ooh. That's an easy one. If you guys <laughs> think and if if you think any differently, you're wrong. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Objectively yeah. wrong. Stands a very bold yeah. stance from Adam. Mm-hmm. Well, one of those I hope movies. Shane's gears are turning. One of those movies is a dark, gritty look at what it means to be human. And the other one is Blade Runner. So, like, you got to figure that out. You're right. (laughs) I agree, Adam. (laughs) That's a great point. Um, Um, Yeah, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead, I love Blade Runner, but the plot Mm -hmm. of that movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's noir. It's not supposed to. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's the the vibe and the look and the sound and the environment of that movie is what makes it brilliant and perfect. Mm -hmm. Not the story. It's, Whereas I think the Princess Bride might be the opposite. Its its visuals, I think, are a little, you know, they're okay. But, but it's it's the story and the characters that really. But the story drive is that cheating because it's it's Kevin Arnold's grandfather telling the story. <laughs> he can change it whenever he wants. Blade Runner is fact of yeah. what happened uh, four years ago or five years ago when it take place. It was in the twenty teens, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like twenty sixteen or something like that. I forget. Call um, Dave Peoples. Ask him. Blade Runner has such a legacy. It has like yeah. such a legacy, and I know it it has a lot to do with the story, not necessarily the execution of the story, but like the initial like concept and questions well, that the story it's raised. Based off what Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick is that the yeah. inspiration for loosely? It's it's more so. Whereas Princess Bride is a very direct adaptation. If you read William Goldberg's Princess Bride, you will see like. The dialogue is lifted mm-hmm. and it's it's virtually like a straight adaptation. Whereas Blade Runner, it was kind of cool because it was like, oh, this sci-fi author that I've never really seen anything. He's he's so famous. I've never seen anything adapted from his work. Like Ridley Scott was like, I'm going to tap that. Mm-hmm. Scotty, he became Scotty Riddles. Mm-hmm. I always have a line <laughs> with Ridley when? Scott where I say, okay, this he's making Gladiator. He's Ridley Scott. He decides like to flip him, it. He decides you to called him it. William he's, Goldberg. <laughs> What? I thought the you called him William Goldberg, and I thought of the wrestler riding the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when uh, the rodents of unusual size were, got speared by uh, <laughs> Dread Pilot? But anyway, um, but I, I, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, I think Blade Runner established uh, cyberpunk essentially. Did it not? Well, it, in, in, in the visual it eye, gave it, of it gave it humans? a visual like a moving screen you know, on screen visual. I feel like cyberpunk was established in other forms, but mostly narrative or like, like right. uh, some books like written for Yeah, And there's probably a lot of like B movie people experimenting with like cyberpunk ish mm-hmm. worlds. Whereas this was I, maybe the first like big budget mm-hmm. Hollywood director that was like, I'm making a yeah. cyberpunk feature. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the term cyberpunk had no, like when they made, Blade Runner, they weren't, it wasn't really Scott going like, I'm going to make something yeah. cyberpunk. He was saying, this book is interesting. It's trash. I hate it, but I'm, I'm going to make it look beautiful and do <laughs> my cool Scotty commercial Reynolds. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Put smoke he's, everywhere. He, yeah. He's insane. And then he got in a bunch of, I also highly, 
uh, highly recommend re- uh, watching the documentary Dangerous Days, which is just the making of Blade no, Runner. It's I fascinating. I refuse. <laughs> um, I think I honestly I think The Princess Bride is a perfect movie, but uh, Blade Runner I think has done so much more for cinema and the fact that it was a commercial failure and has lived on and the fact that it even got a sequel that was yeah it all I don't know close the, to being it a commercial in, failure. It was a commercial. Well, I mean, I mean, it's so weird. It's, it's like it only it's made a quarter it's, it's, of a billion dollars. You have to, yeah, yeah, you have to make up the numbers. But. To what you're saying, yeah. it did in fact visualize and establish a genre that's been copied a billion times <laughs> mm-hmm. since. I agree. To to this day, it is still referenced and looked at. I mean, movies like Batman Begins uh, looks basically cites Blade Runner as a huge influence for it. So I, it's like it's done so much for cinema that it's like I I don't think you slow. can. I, I th- I feel like it's an even more more than more than just cinema. I feel like it's it's impacted culture. Blade Runner has with its its look and its visuals and its sound. It's I think Princess Bride might have done the same thing where it's kind of crossed over from just movies where where people know what Blade Runner is from the things in Blade Runner. Just like I think I knew what the Princess Bride was uh, from quotes that people would do before mm-hmm. I even saw the movie. You know, mm-hmm. the the stupid priest marrying with marriage and marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, he was. Yeah. He these, was are, these are both movies monster. that I think have, yeah. have crossed over <laughs> well, from just being movies yeah, to actually impacting greater culture. Princess Bride did for, you know, and a lot of the same people were involved, but it did for the, the fairy tale storybook genre what this is spinal tap did for like the rockumentary mm-hmm. genre. I, I mean it's a spoof, it's a it's it's really like mm-hmm. a, a comedy but with heart. Yeah, I think without Blade Runner you wouldn't get um uh you wouldn't have gotten the iRobots of the world. Like you've gotten Demolition and without, Man. Hold on. Um, <laughs> and without uh without Princess Bride we wouldn't have gotten Robin Hood Men in Tights and those are the two greatest uh Examples I could come we up. We wouldn't with. have gotten Your Highness. <laughs> Your Highness, yeah, yeah. Which re- which refers to not only the fact that they smoke medieval weed, but also she shows her butt. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. I think and, also you just you can't compare another cast ensemble to Princess Bride. Mm. Um, there are just so many heavy hitters in terms of the cast in that right. movie. I'm gonna. Uh, l- I, I'll hit you back with Harrison Ford, Edward James Olmos, the fat guy <laughs> from Blood Simple, Oscar uh, <laughs> Hauer. Rugger Horror. I'm going to throw this out here. And again, I'm not trying to knock these movies down, but I just, in terms of the discussion, I feel like it should be said. Yeah. Elise and I saw Blade Runner in theaters uh, as shortly before Blade Runner 2049 was coming out. And they reused the shot of the blimp three times. (laughs) It's a good shot. It's the same shot, but it's through like a skylight and it's the same shot. And I went... That's the same and shot. I felt I like I spent until 2049 watching it. Oh it's, wow! It's it's Oof. a slow paced. Yikes! It's a slow burn. I mean, do you disagree? Because I would I would say it's no. A very but slow slow, slow doesn't mean bad. So doesn't That's, mean bad. It's it's ponderous. It's supposed mm-hmm. to make you think about mm-hmm. what's going I, on in the silences. I do think it's pensive, but is it pensive to reuse the same blimp shot? I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> I gotta, don't know. I gotta stop you right there, Elise. It's time to vote. We we oh. really have to get through this list, and based off the time we've spent discussing the differences, the strengths and weaknesses of Blade <laughs> Runner and Princess Bride, I have a bad feeling about this podcast. All right, let's do it. All right. So the way we're gonna vote is we're gonna raise our fingers. Um, it's the only way to be fair. You're gonna raise one finger if you're voting for Blade Runner. Two fingers if you're voting for the Princess Bride. Okay. Okay. On three. 
Let's see them all. One, two, three. Ooh, oh, Shane. Immediately starts with a tie, which means it's immediately <laughs> going to go to Shane. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to go. It's the only way to be fair. Objective. This is the objective list. Shane, it's on you right from the start. A lot of pressure here. Blade Runner or Princess Bride? I'm going to go Blade Runner. Oh, wow. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Making up for his terrible calls Man, from last week. You can you imagine if Blade Runner won this thing? That would be a travesty. We don't know. I mean, it's Shane. You can't. If Shane be, says it would be Blade all Runner, Shane's fault. If Shane <laughs> says Blade Runner, it's Blade Runner. That's it's like the only way. You know, I would say it's more fair than flipping a coin. All right, let's keep. I, let's I, keep. Re, oh, real quick, I forgot to say this. I did have an argument against Blade Runner. I totally forgot about the first cut of that movie. Is not very great because of the whole VO thing that Harrison oh, yeah. Ford just sort of like. Yeah kind of put that thing in there when he's like Rugger Harris, this is beautiful speech at the end. He goes, I don't know what he was trying to say, but I <laughs> think he's a robot. <laughs> well, he like, he purposely right did that bad so that they wouldn't use yeah. it. Was I've also, story, I, right? yeah, I, I always reference the final cut version, which I guess works against the movie when it has multiple versions. So Princess Bride say, is just like, just the one, but I wasn't going to say, but that was going to be my other big hot take on Blade Runner is that in a movie so imperfect that it requires multiple attempts. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's move on, but be, we're just getting started. So let's move on. But before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsor hymns. What's a common issue men face, but don't always want to talk about think long and hard. That is a clue. Both of those, both of those are actually clues. Um, the truth of the matter is that forty percent of men by age forty struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. Why do guys feel like they have to turn to strange, weird solutions, over-the-counter stuff, things that aren't scientifically proven to work when there is an option, and that option doesn't necessarily involve expensive pills or injections or anything crazy like that? All you have to do is check out Hims, and you could discover the tiny pill that's worth a big celebration. Forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Hims connects you with real licensed doctors and FDA-approved pharmaceutical products to treat any erectile dysfunction you might have. There's tons of well-known generic equivalents. I don't know how familiar you are with the prescription medicine world. God knows I'm not that familiar, but I do know that generics are an option that provide cheaper access to the exact same medication you could get from somewhere else. These generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions are going to help you combat your erectile dysfunction. This is backed by science, and it's also more affordable than basically any other option out there. Don't worry about painful treatments or having to constantly go to the doctor. Honestly, the process could not be easier. You answer some questions about your medical history and then chat with a doctor, and it's entirely confidential. If that doctor approves you, then the product is shipped directly to your door. Being your best means performing your best, and this is a cheap and convenient option to do just that. So try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash filmhouse ed. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash filmhouse ed. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval and require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. 
This could cost hundreds if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy. Remember, that's 4hims.com slash filmhouseed. And we are back. Thank you so much, Hims, for your sponsorship. Let's keep going with that momentum that Hims has provided us. Uh, okay, this one is going to be <laughs> brutal. This whole bracket's tough. The Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. A Wes Anderson masterpiece, as far as I'm concerned. A joint. Versus <laughs> Paddington 2. You know, if it had Paddington 1, it would have been harder. Because I do think Paddington 1's a little bit better. Oh, that's really? a false statement, but sure. <laughs> I do. That's, I do. That's, a, that's a unique opinion. I don't. I haven't seen that opinion yeah. very much. Um, I, wow. Oof. Here's the thing. This again. These aren't our best. These aren't the, our the best films. Are our favorite films? But these are also two of my favorite films that made it on the perfect <laughs> list. Likewise, I would say Royal Tenenbaums established Wes Anderson's style. It it solidified it because you yeah. had movies like Rushmore. You had Bottle Rocket. They mm-hmm. did. They they didn't have the money or necessarily the tone down yet. But with Royal Tenenbaums, he kind of had like the I think the cast he wanted, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. set he wanted, and the freedom. And probably the, the team together that he wanted to make. He was, the, he was like, the he's like, Wes I got Anderson the Wilsons. Film. I got, I got Murray. I don't have rich people yet. And then he got the rich people, and then magic happened. Yeah, that's, the, that's that's the story. The production sounds absolutely toxic, thanks to Gene Hackman. Um, but <laughs> just you a know, little bit of a bulldog. Could but anyone else have played Royal Tenenbaum? So it was Royal. Probably yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, it's tough because this. Also, you know, for those people that say Wes Anderson has gone to Wes Anderson, like he he started drinking his own Kool-Aid mm-hmm. uh, to a certain point. I love it, but I understand people's perspective on that. This, I feel like, is before he got in. Like, Royal Tenenbaums just feels like a movie with style as yeah. opposed to buried within Wes Anderson's style and all of his themes that he constantly revisits about uh, f- daddy issues, uh, you know, dysfunctional families... And uh, dog ab- animal abuse, um, like he has, but they're like they're subtly injected into the heart of the film, as opposed to all right, now's the point where he ha- hits you over the head with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then Pat so that was uh, Royal Tenenbaums was was that Wes Anderson hitting his peak and then no. still making movies after that, no. or do you think he's make, made better so. movies since then? I think then. He's, he's made Oscar-nominated and winning yeah. films since yeah. then, so I would say that uh, he's only continued Oscars. to achieve success. I think Isle of Dogs yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I think uh, Grand Budapest. Fox, Grand Budapest. Yeah, I think I, there's some that I appreciate less than others, but I don't I don't agree with people who say that this is that he hit his peak and everything else has been downhill. I always look I, forward to everything. It, it, oh, me too. Royal Tenenbaums is a shotgun blast that it was like, you're right, it was like Bottle Rocket and then, uh, what was the one? Rushmore, and Rushmore. then it, it scattered, and then all of a sudden, like, his brain went, yes, this is what I want, because everything else, Moonrise Kingdom and Isle of Dogs and Fantastic Mr. Fox, everything, and all the live Life action Aquatic. stuff, that, like, it, it all feels like it all came from Royal Tenenbaums, and it all has mm-hmm. been... He's he hasn't dipped like maybe there's a little bit, but it's like it's all they're all really good. That's mm-hmm. that's the hard thing. So and then yeah, uh, was it uh, was the Zizu? What's the movie called? Uh, Life, Life Aquatic. Aquatic. Yeah. yeah, the only well, time he's like, kind of no. dipped out of that, what felt like to me was Darjeeling Limited. 
uh, with that's the only movie that I feel like he's like, all right, I'm gonna kind of step away and shoot things a little bit more naturally. And yeah, not like I, I, I still, feel like I'm, he almost got more serious for that film too. Yeah, like he was going for deeper yeah. themes and it's, stronger emotions. It's very dry humor. It kind of defies the Wes Anderson concept of having a really um, explained set. Like Wes Anderson's really really great about making his own sets. They're very compartmentalized. And they are a character unto themselves. And you would think that the train would be a little bit more of a character in that movie than it was. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. That's a movie that I had to rewatch many, many times to really, like, get and, and start to really, really like. Mm -hmm. But now I, I love it. Yeah, I love it, too. It, it didn't give me the Wes Anderson fix, interestingly no. enough, when it first yeah. came out. But now I appreciate it as a film, which... So he can dip in and out. He just, I guess, chooses to. Paddington. So who, who? Yeah, who's the director of Paddington Two? Who made that movie? Oh, I forget his. I name. I always forget his name. He's a television director who did Mighty Boosh. Yeah. Hmm. He did uh, a lot of a lot of British comedy, um, British television comedy. We saw that and movie. Wacky stuff. And we, when we walked out of it, we don't do this often, but we turned to each other, and I, I said, I can't think of a single flaw that movie has. And, and then you were like. I had the wavy stream of tears yeah. coming out of my face because I was so filled with joy. It, uh, just in, term, in terms of what that movie does in emotional beats and story beats, characters, the setting, mm -hmm. the delivery set, of everything. Set up, payoff. Yeah. Um, it, without, the performances. Without feeling like you need to show, like it gets emotional reactions out of me without having to tap into things that are sad, which to me is so difficult like to I'll, joy tap into joy it, and catharsis it, yeah and it, empathy exactly like in good <laughs> ways it's all positive emotions like the the mo closest thing you can get which one of the things i like about paddington 2 over paddington 1 is that the closest thing that comes to a villain in paddington 2 is this former actor who's just kind of running around town causing mischief right Whereas in Paddington 1, it's like, I want to kill the bear, you know, like, um, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, you're tapping your sphere and, and evil or whatever. This is just like misunderstood. And even if you watch the final scene, like the credits scene for that movie, it's still like the villain, like, still gets what he wants, ultimately. There's a bit of a reprieve on him where you're like, I'm still charmed by this villain. Yeah, yeah he, he finds his, he, 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 finds, was, yeah. he was kind of like a, a man without a purpose. Before and now hmm. he's got it. Everybody wins in that movie, yeah. and it's still satisfying, and that's what I kind of love about it. So, um, so this this versus right here is one where I think it kind of epitomizes the best film versus the perfect film. Mm. I think Paddington might be a more perfect, concise, you know, everything in its right place movie, whereas Royal Tenenbaums might be a better film that touches on more important subjects. Hence the, hence the specificity of this bracket, Dan. <laughs> That's what I'm going. Well, yeah. Should we yeah. vote? I think yes. in really subtle ways, Paddington hits on a lot of themes that you might not pick up on oh, otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. I, I And I guess the only thing I could come up with is maybe, like Dan is saying, it's not a um, dangerous exploration of the human condition. I think it does explore the human <laughs> condition, though. I said dangerous. Is World Tenenbaums dangerous? Yeah, because it, it's dealing with dysfunctional families and daddy issues, and not everyone lives in in star brights and rainbows, right? Like, and so that move the movie has a darkness to it, kind of like all humanity does. Paddington Two is amazing because it it 
washes um, away the darkness. Huntington too, I think, <laughs> is is an exploration in xenophobia. This little bear that is ostracized. This one, this one, the the kind of neighborhood watch guy that mm-hmm. targets him. I guess there's some of that in there. There definitely is. I don't know. Especially in in a country like England, where that's like a thing. Anyway. All right. I think we got to vote. Adam hasn't said much, but that's okay. I I uh, I'll, I'll I'll be transparent. I've never seen the Paddingtons uh, because you guys talk oh, cool. about them so much. You've you've hyped mm-hmm. them to the point that they'll never live up to what you have told well, me they will. So. Y- you think that Adam? Thanks, but they, thanks for ruining it for us guys. <laughs> they they super overhyped those Paddington movies to me too, and I finally watched them like back to back, and they are mind blowingly good. For so now, Dan's, now Dan's doing it. I, I, I would can't, say that I can't we, see didn't, movies. we didn't overhype <laughs> no. them. We accurately hyped yeah, them. Yeah, I would say yeah. we accurately hyped yeah. Perfect them. hype. All That's right. what you we said about vote. Blade Runner. Okay. We got to vote. <laughs> One finger for the Royal Tenenbaums, two fingers for Paddington 2, mm-hmm. perfect film. Two of my favorites. <laughs> two of my favorites. Two of my favorites. All right. You guys ready? On three. One, two, three. Two and two again. (laughs) Shade. There's no loser in this category. Shade. I I specifically voted for Royal Tenenbaums because I didn't think it was going to get the votes, but there's no loser in this category. Well, either winner is great. It's Shane. Shane, I want you to first tell me what you're picking, and then I want to tell, and then afterwards, I want you to tell me if you've seen both of these films. <laughs> okay. So, so let us know what is it, Paddington Two or the Royal Tenenbaums? I have to go with uh, Royal Tenenbaums only because okay. that is the only one I've seen. Yeah. Oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> Tonight, that's how brackets work. We need to do a Paddington Objective. watch party for Adam and Shane. Objective. Thank you, Shane. That's super, super Shane right now. Things are so heated. We got to keep moving on. We got to keep moving on fast. Okay. The Exorcist versus Apocalypse Now. Mm. Anyone care to start this discussion somewhere? Man. I put The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't really here. talked about The Exorcist at all. We talked about Apocalypse Now a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we haven't wh- why the did Exorcist The Exorcist yet. qualify as a perfect film for you, Elise? The Exorcist did for horror filmmaking what uh, Paddington 2 did for peanut butter sandwiches. Marmalade. Uh, No. Uh, Oh, marmalade. I forget what he even likes that fucking bear. Um, Just in terms of the the cinematography techniques of this movie to implement horror in it, the practical and technical uh, techniques they use to do all the the horror stunts are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're 13 years old and you watch The Exorcist for the first time and you see her punching that crucifix into her snatch, you don't know that there's a little like sponge box down there. You just think that's going straight snatch. Um, the uh, what the they did to people were were screaming and leaving theaters and fainting watching this movie. It was so revolutionary. Of the According time to the marketing horror. team, uh, <laughs> it it uh, has a very like storied production, but it also seemed like it had a pretty like technically pr- like excellent pr- like the, the the talent that went into making this movie is oh, pretty yeah. incredible. And the abuse too. And the abuse. <laughs> um, it's I I think it's just. It has so many so many moments of like emotional resonance too, mm-hmm. in terms of like the you know the priests and it, just the thematic substance to it as well. 
I mean, if you're a a religious person or even if you're not, but you might be exploring like what uh, faith or what doubt or or what religion might mean. Hmm. Um, There's just there's like so much to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a story of a, of a mother and daughter and and losing someone you love and what that might mean. Like there's I I think something else that's amazing about it is how the spatially like so much of it is just in that room. Yeah. You know, like but mm-hmm. it isn't a movie. It isn't a movie about isolation. Like, you know, we thought we did the podcast about movies that are in isolation or whatever. It's not about that. But so much of the movie takes place in a room and you don't realize by the end of it that you're like, I just spent the last 90 minutes in some girl's bedroom. Yeah. Like, and I think if you can go watch the BTS stuff of like what they built to levitate her, what they built for like the wardrobe moving, how they how they shot um, some of those silhouetted scenes. Like it's all just so what cool. they built to snap her break her like <laughs> sixth vertebrae yeah, or oh whatever. My God. Yeah, they like Ooh. broke her back making that. <laughs> Uh, when they were flinging her back and forth. Yeah. Um, but it's just such a, a cool film. Yeah. Exorcist is one of those movies where it, it's much like Paddington. It was sort of ruined for me by the time I saw it. Cause I remember the first time I tried watching it, I was a kid and we were like at a family's house and they're like, we're going to go downstairs and watch Exorcist. And my mom was like, no, you cannot watch that movie. And then so <laughs> finally in high school, I watched it. And I went, that's not so bad. Because mm-hmm. I, I had the other horror movies had already influenced yeah. me or like I've already seen movies like Alien or, um, you know, slasher films where like I was sort of desensitized to violence at that point. <laughs> and it was like it did have a creepy overtone. But like I think that same year I saw The Ring. So like mm-hmm. it was it was sort of tough that it was like this, this movie was hyped to a point that by the time I saw and that like that's obviously that's not the movie's fault, but that that's one of those things where that movie resonates less with me because of the culture around it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I actually had yeah. a very, very similar experience, Adam, where it's one of those movies that you hear about that'll terrify you. It'll ruin your life. It'll, you know, make you a Satanist or whatever. And then when I saw it, when I was in high school, I was like, Oh, that, you know, that's a great movie, but I don't understand why everyone said this was the most frightening thing ever created. Mm-hmm. To me, it has I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not arguing whether it's frightening or not, because yeah. Elise is right. It is a technical achievement, especially for the time and for the budget and everything else. And that that spider crawl down the stairs. Crazy. But I always want to know yeah. what happens after spider crawl. How do well, they get the, her back the spider, upstairs? The spider, the spider crawl is not in the <laughs> original hole. movie. I saw it when I was probably like some somewhere between like 11 and 13 for the first time. And then I think when I was in high school, it got re-released for maybe the 25th or 30th anniversary they really released it in theaters and that's when they put the spider crawl down the stairs in which doesn't look as good as a lot of the other effects in the movie so i can see why you like wouldn't want that it's kind of it's unjarring or it's it's jarring because of how you know she does it but there there's to me there's other stuff where like there's there are things in that movie that are creepy and scary that aren't necessarily like a pop-out scare or a gore scare like spitting pea soup it's like when she's speaking to the priest and she's speaking in like tongues and she's talking with him, she's possessed. And it's the other actress that like drank, um, you know, she drank like whiskey and, and raw eggs to do the voice. And she chain smoked like to, to make that voice. That's like mm. a true, you know, story of and rather than, you know, using voice modulation, they took this poor woman and they had her consume all these things to make mm-hmm. her voice sound really shitty to, to dub over Reagan. Um, that's a really unnerving scene, uh, you know, it, and it's just a devil speaking through a little girl. And mm-hmm. there's no like it's not even like lit 
weird. It's just close-ups back and forth between the two of them, her laughing. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think it's it's so cool. Yeah. I definitely would say that the Exorcist... I think this is a good matchup and a terrible matchup because I think The Exorcist is for horror in a lot of ways what Apocalypse Now was for military movies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like there had been plenty of scary movies that came out, but it was like Vincent Price... Going like, and the skeleton lives, you know, like. Yeah, another thing I love that it did was it, it it showed the gradual effects of possession on a person's body. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like, oh, she woke up one day and all this stuff was happening. It was like, over time, because she slow, the devil slowly overtook her. So over time, she was slowly starting to become sicker and sicker. She mm-hmm. was doing more mutilation to herself. And they built that into like yeah. the, the character and the design of her mm-hmm. and her horror, which I, I think is like super impressive at, way of telling that at, story. As a, as a parent, what at what point do you cut your losses? Is it when her head I know. does the 360 turn? You're like, <laughs> at one point, at some point you're like, this is just damaged goods. I, I don't know well, if we're coming back from that. That <laughs> I mean, skin is not going to heal. That is I'm kind sorry. of part of the movie though, which is the thing is it's like, like she might die like if we did do yeah. this, she might die, and they're like, "Go for it." Yeah, we have <laughs> to uh, please do. You should try. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a tough one. This is really this tough. is very tough. We did talk about apocalypse now in the previous episode in a lot of ways, and but just to kind of reiterate, it is like the ultimate war anti-war film. You know, like and kind of talking about Reagan's transformation, uh, the descent into this war zone and everything and the toll that it takes is is uh it's definitely um, a a descent into madness like mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. while you're watching the film your brain does start to burn away a little bit as these things go on and on and i don't know it's a commentary about the insanity of film you've got the the general who napalms a beach just so his dudes can surf Mm -hmm. um you know they show up at that place later on in the film trying to find somebody in charge and there's no one in charge everyone's just murdering each other Mm -hmm. it's It's one of those three hour movies that I think touches on dozens of themes Mm -hmm. um, all over the range you know there are parts of that movie that are horror you know it is a horror movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when when the boat's slowly going down the river and there's people in those woods in the jungle and yeah they're coming at you at some point yeah uh, both both movies I think have the Blade Runner mark of shame going against Uh-oh. them since Apocalypse Now has Redux, which oh, adds yeah. what, is it, is it the French family that the the part they add? It adds yeah, like an well, additional They added a good 45 minutes to that movie at one point. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Then, and then and took it back again recently. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the documentary, also that one I think we talked about before, uh, is it Heart of Dark, Hearts of Darkness? Hearts of uh, Darkness, yeah. Great, great documentary that goes along with it. Um, but then The Exorcist, Spider-Crawl, you know, <laughs> but, called, but I don't think that was them recutting it to be like, this makes the movie better. I'll say mm. in both cases, in both cases, we can point to examples of how those scenes were added and people are like, mm, yeah. yeah, as opposed to say Blade Runner, I think that was just people more were like, thank God you fix this it. trash. Um, well, the, Blade, Blade <laughs> Runner, they fix, though, because they took things away. Mm-hmm. There's a parallel between these movies, which is that they I think they both inspire people to question. One is to maybe question your beliefs and your religion. And one is also to question your beliefs, maybe your ethics in terms of like how you feel about war or, um, you know, imperialism, really. Well, the time for question is over. We have to vote. Yeah. Are you guys ready to do this? Because we got to yes. keep moving. We gotta All go. right. This is tough. I don't even know. One finger for the exorcist, 
two fingers for Apocalypse Now. All right. On three. One, two, three. Oh my, oh my god. Oh really? I didn't think you were going to vote for the exorcist. Oh my god. I thought I thought yeah. all three of you were going to vote for oh apocalypse now and I was like I'll give the the exorcist. Should we just, just get vote, just Shane's... vote for what you want? Stop voting politically. <laughs> just vote for what We you should want. just get Shane's opinion on all of these matchups. Yeah. All right. Where we need a camera, bud. Shane, Shane, Shane. The exorcist versus apocalypse now. We need to know. The exorcist and I have seen it. Okay. Really? All right, great. Wow. Hey. All right. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. Uh, if anyone wants to write to Shane yeah. uh, about your complaints, his home address will be listed below. <laughs> um, all, all those huge Apocalypse Now super fans are going to come out. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting how that should Okay. Out. All right. We got to keep going. Um, boy, this one. Oh, no. All right. Aliens versus oh. City of God, a.k.a. Cidade de Gius. Cidade Our Portuguese-speaking friends. Um, oh, you did actually take Portuguese for a little while, so that might yeah. have been close, right? That's exactly what it was. City of God is D's. one of those movies that has great scope to the story. Oh, I love it. I um, love it. It covers a great expanse of time and mm-hmm. and, it, and characters and hugely epic. I, I mean, it, is that the only foreign movie on this entire list? Your name. Oh, Your okay. name was on and there. Akira. Akira. Okay. Moulin Rouge. Never mind. Australian. Never mind. <laughs> Godfather. Italians. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess similar to Godfather, you know, it's a it's a gangster epic. Um, yeah. Maybe probably one of the least viewed movies on this whole list is my guess. But well, for anyone that hasn't seen City of God, most viewed. Yeah. Like I, I don't. That might be our perception. Mm. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, it's it was a huge smash when it landed, cause uh, it was this you know this Brazilian director who went on to do the constant gardener and then pretty much nothing else, which is really silly. Um, But uh, the movie is just, yeah, fantastic. Visually inventive. Like the, the camera tricks, they, while not looking like, you know, crazy computer generated thing, I think it's, you know, visually very inventive with Mm -hmm. many shots that I think you kind of sit there and wonder how they achieved such a thing. It's, it's, and it's feels very genuine, probably because it was because you know they cast a lot of actual slum from, kids, right? From that community, uh, slums basically. They filmed in slums. I, I it blows my mind because this movie shows people growing from you know very young to you know their early twenties, late teens, basically. Um, but the casting is fantastic because when the characters grow up, you're like that's. That's them grown up. I mean, you know it's not, but it feels like boyhood where you're like, that's that's that must be them grown up because how did you do that? And it makes me angry when other movies can't cast <laughs> young versions of people better. Um, but, I'd say uh, um, City of God also, you know, it's up against Aliens, this extremely famous horror movie. I think City of God actually terrified me more than Aliens ever did with just the violence gonna, that children perpetrate. In that film, it's, I'm gonna get it's in here. some of we're the most talking, disturbing stuff I've ever seen. We're talking aliens. Not aliens. Not aliens. I, I would say <laughs> aliens may be more horror than aliens. Oh, yeah. Aliens yeah. Aliens is It's more of an action movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A- action well, action and, horror in a way. The point, the, I guess the point stands yeah. that the, the violence that the, some children do in that movie is some of the most terrifying stuff I've seen on, mm-hmm. on cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely real. 
Um, yeah. I think what makes Aliens so enjoyable for me is how unreal it is. We kind of touched on it when we talked about Mad Max, but this is a movie that begins and then never like you. It's it basically gives you your rest period at the beginning. You're like, hey, it's just a bl- we're palling around. I'll do more pull-ups than you and like everything. And then they launch, they go pierce the clouds and then go and crash down on the planet. And then from that point, it never stops. There's some moments where there's like, we're going to take a break. And they're like, let's take a 15 minute nap. And something happens like they, they only have time to say, hey, let's take a nap. And then there's an action sequence or, or a horror set piece or something like that. It just keeps going and keeps going. And I think the coolest thing it does is it it expands and improves on. We talked about this with Terminator 2. It expands and improves on an already good movie mm-hmm. um, in ways that you could have never possibly imagined expanding. Yeah, and it rotates the genre of that movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it takes the lead and like talk about transformation. The, her transformation from the beginning is like, I'm just pissed off because you put me in that situation yeah. to fuck it, I'm taking the reins of this whole thing and I'm going to burn it down. Yeah, I'm climbing into a power loader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not just in my underwear mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it also, like, to have, you know, because in the first one, she's a little bit more of, like, your typical, uh, like, female from a horror movie that's a little bit more of, like, the, the victim who's running. Like, mm-hmm. the Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween where it's, like, she's yeah. being tortured by something. But it transforms her into an action star in Aliens, mm-hmm. which at the time there really weren't movies with women as action stars mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah, I agree. It was it was, cool. it was Aliens and then Wonder Woman 1984, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whew, boy, it's tough. I also think like this in terms of kind of the Blade Runner side of like how it shaped the visual genre, the sound design. If you hear the gun from aliens you know it's the gun from aliens and it doesn't appear in anything else and the the colonial marine style all these visual elements and stuff are completely synonymous with that movie look an entire character design monster creature design face hugger yeah i mean and the alien itself yeah yeah but like i'm just saying like it's always impressive to me when someone's like this is a james cameron thing probably because he's this crazy meticulous person but like he's like all right we needed to we let's get some guns on set and then they'll like here's the gun and they fire it and he's like all right i want to make sure it doesn't sound like any other gun that's ever existed ever before and i only want my movie to use it and you're like i didn't realize how important that was (laughs) in doing that and all other movies that have regular gun sounds i'm like why yeah i'm gonna Um, uh he's a master of world building which is crazier when you talk about aliens where it is already an established world where he said well i'm gonna add on to it and add paul riser so that's pretty (laughs) (laughs) also going back to one of my criteria from last week there were a lot of aliens action figures Mm -hmm. and i think that might help the argument for making it a more perfect film because the action figures because toys because action figures is we talked well, it makes it a on, perfect movie. City of God action it. figures. You don't own Slum Kid number <laughs> Benny. <laughs> I have my Benny. I have my Benny figure. He's got the open shirt with the Hawaiian <laughs> flowers on it, uh, and his glass changeable glasses um, comes with bleeding belly action. Uh, all right, I think we got to vote because we got to yeah. keep going. All right, guys, you ready? Mm-hmm. Aliens yep. versus City of God. One finger for Aliens. Two fingers for City of God. On three. One, two, three. 
Okay. That's yep. three. Three for aliens. We, we one finally for made a decision. Con. Yeah. Shane, Shane, you get a reprieve this round. Um, all right. <sighs> Baby. We still have <laughs> seven more showdowns to go. Um, <laughs> we made through four of these in 40 minutes. Yeah, close to about. Um, told you, told right. you, we're not getting, well, we're not getting through. We're this gonna thing. do it. We're of course we're gonna do it. Well, There's now we've enough. talked about them all. We've talked about them all. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Elise. Oh. Thank you for Problem. paying attention. <laughs> trying to be optimistic. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's let's just bang it out. We're gonna jump over to the West Coast, and we're gonna do Terminator Two versus the Dark Knight, two <laughs> of the greatest action movies ever made. Going <laughs> head to amazing head. chase scenes in both of these yeah. movies. Just, just the most two impeccable films. Well, also, two impossible sequels that both outdid. You're so right. The previous yep. one. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Two perfect sequels. Both Damn with it. action figures. What if we just made Shane? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't even vote. We just made Shane. Um, uh, boy, that's tough. Um, it's pro- It's a thing. It's. I wish I could be like, oh, well, you know, one does most of its action in I, computers and the other, but they're both practical. I will say, I think across the board, the dark, if I have to find something better, across the board, the Dark Knight has better acting performances than Terminator 2. Hey, okay. yeah. I would say Linda Hamilton, I love her. Mm-hmm. Not always the strongest actor. I thought you were, for sure, you were going to say Edward Arm. Furlong. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I mean, and, you know, of course, there's some like secondary characters. Mm-hmm. So, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's. It, I would definitely say if you put the two against each other, Terminator Two looks more like a movie, movie, right? Sure. Like a popcorn movie, whereas The Dark Knight feels like, you know, an Oscar yeah. movie, right? Uh, if that, if that, for whatever that's worth, I'm not saying James, that makes James one Cameron better. would like a, to have a word with you after he's done <laughs> yelling at Catherine Bigelow on the phone. They've been divorced <laughs> for 30 years. Adam, what you? Uh, he still screams at her. Man, um, I love. I mean, obviously, I love me some Batman, but um, Terminator to me is. I think it's also one of those movies that I feel like it's smarter than. Um, like I think on the surface, yeah, it looks like a popcorn movie, but when you look at it, and this comes from James Cameron because he's insane, but like. He, just the world building that they do and like the the sort of what if scenario is set up for you is done so well by being encapsulated in a character that is this time traveling bodybuilder it's uh <laughs> it's it's ridiculous i mean like he, he just arnold driving in a car laying out the timeline of what happens in the future of like skynet goes online this happens this happens and you're just like mm-hmm. it, it draws you in and that's just really good storytelling um, also, Dark, Dark Knight is, is a is a perfect movie. It's fantastic. And I'm I'm with you, Elise. There's some crazy good performances. It's the best Joker performance ever done. Um, but God, yeah, I don't know. I have a soft spot for Terminator. It's tough. Well, to, to your point, too, I feel like uh, the Dark Knight has uh, almost a century of Batman what to draw. It, it, it revolutionized sure. Batman, but it has centuries worth of Batman it, to draw upon. It, whereas mm-hmm. Terminator 2 is like, here's this wacky sci-fi. Sir, Dark Knight... Had a, I don't know how useful this is. Never made a film and will never make something as good as The Dark Knight. But uh, The Dark Knight, at the very least, had a blueprint for what not to do. Yeah. Which can be valuable, I assume, <laughs> um, just for whatever that's worth. Wait, what, um, do you, what do you mean by that, James? I'm sorry, I'm not following. 
Well, there's Batman so much Forever, Batman, so much Batman, Batman that existed Robin. before the Dark Knight. Oh, I, I see like, what you mean. There, we're all, defy, there was a litany. Yeah. There's a list of things to not ever try and do, yeah. and mm-hmm. we we, Whereas, we can avoid all these pitfalls. I guess. It feels like Terminator 2. James Cameron said, I want to make the biggest action movie ever by leaning into all of these action tropes and genres that came before, except it's going to be great. <laughs> and time and really, as far as I'm really thinking, I mean, there's cloak and dagger, but I can't think of many like little boy and adult pairing action movies. Dabney Coleman, Cloak and Dagger. Go see it. <laughs> it's not on. I don't see it on the list in here, but I could write it in. You write it in. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm James made a really good point, though. Terminator 2 was came out around the time when the tropes were still being created. And mm-hmm. James Cameron somehow saw those and like navigated that. Dagger. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, get the action in the little boy. Get the action well, no, in the little Boy. But the, but the fact that he went, I'm going to take it, it also, it, I think it works societally too. where he went, here's this guy who is the villain in the first one and we're going to flip it and make him the good guy, except no one's going to know that. And then the marketing team said, sorry, what? And they ruined it in the trailer. But like pretty like if you just showed those movies back to back and you had no idea what they were, it, it's pretty revolutionary at the time to like to do that and then introduce, you know, What's going to be the opposite? What's the antithesis of this? Which is similar to the Joker and Batman. But the idea that like this is a walking tank. Let's make this sleek yeah. metal character that also requires the next generation of special effects. Yeah. And I think what what encapsulates and makes that so, which basically just solidifies it as being so well done is they've never been able to top that because I think everyone sees it the surface level of it and every other Terminator after that's been like, well, what do we do now? electronics and it's like that's not what it was it, it wasn't like what's the new gimmick but that's this that's what people take away from it at least like from a creative standpoint and it's like it's something that could probably never be replicated uh just because it was done so smartly at the time iconic theme song terminator 2 iconic theme song. <laughs> da, 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 da. i don't even know how the batman theme goes <laughs> <laughs> it, it is wild that that, that that is an action movie you know so you're talking about special effects when you're talking about action from 1991 mm-hmm. and we're still talking yeah. about it is holding up against this movie that was made 15 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the spectacle, the action, that stuff is iconic. And I think like James said, you've got a million versions of Batman to, to draw on and Terminator two Lisa seemed to almost just scrap Lisa Terminator one and started getting up. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we're ready to vote. Yeah, we got to yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What other smart things did James say? <laughs> All right. I know it's going to be a little confusing, but it's one finger for Terminator 2, two fingers for The Dark Knight. Which is the second movie in the Nolan Batman So trilogy. one for Terminator, okay. two for Dark Knight, on three. Right. One, two, three. Oh, my God. Elise went Oof. for Dark Knight. Wow, Terminator. I'm the Joker. (laughs) I'm crazy. Terminator 2. Some Uh, of the effects don't hold up in Terminator 2. Show me one. Uh, Arnold's face. Ooh. The eye. That's part one. When he gets gets his head smashed by the thing, the crane. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, (laughs) I like when he goes. (laughs) 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 Who breathes like that? Um, All right. Okay, we got to keep moving. Okay. We got to keep moving, but before we get and close out these quarterfinals, I want you guys to hear a word from our sponsor, Bespoke Post. If your mailbox is anything like mine, 90% of the time, it's 
pretty depressing. It's a lot of political flyers, a lot of bills, um, a ton of coupons for places I've never been to and I'm never going to go to. But once a month, I do actually have a reason to be stoked. And that's because of my box of awesome from Bespoke Post. So what was in my box of awesome, you might ask? You didn't ask, but that's okay. I'll tell you. The sharpest knife I've ever seen in my entire life. I love to cook. I love to do chopping, chop veggies, chop meats, chop basically everything under the sun. And I didn't realize I was doing it with one arm tied behind my back. This knife is incredible. It's amazing. I can't believe that it just arrived at my doorstep. Um, I'm very lucky. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. And no matter what you're into, whether it's cooking or uh, survival exploration or uh, making mixed drinks, Honestly, I was just looking at some of the boxes available, and there's a tote bag that converts from, uh, it can it can hold suits and jackets, but then you can flip it inside out, and then it has, it becomes a tote bag, you could use it for your gym stuff, or basically whatever, it's just a super versatile product, and I was like, hmm, maybe that's what I need. But, if you're not sure what you want, all you have to do to get started is take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside, and sometimes it's a really, really sharp knife. So... Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter code FILMHOUSE, that's H-A-U-S, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code FILMHOUSE, for 20% off your first box. So thank you to our sponsor. We are rounding the corner on this. We're going to finish it. As much as Adam hates to hear it, we're going to finish it right now. <laughs> Let's keep moving on. Blast we got to jump right in. Godfather Part 2. Versus Moulin Rouge <laughs> for a spot sequels. in the quarterfinals. Let's vote. Sometimes it takes <laughs> two to get it right. Um, Godfather Part Two versus Moulin Rouge. Um, a Shane pick, by the way, God. Or Mar- Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. I don't, I mean, it's tough. I don't really, yeah. the other one, it felt like we had things to discuss about the similar, mm-hmm. similarities, the differences. Both, this, I don't know. These movies are so different. Do you yeah. like music? Scorsese <laughs> has some music in there. In yeah. what? In which? What movie? Scorsese isn't on this list. You know? He didn't make anything. Oh, Coppola. Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Scorsese talked to Coppola and he says, friends, he friends. says have him play the fiddle in the background yeah. or whatever. Because there's going to be a movie mm. called Moulin Rouge that's going to come out 30 years from now. It might give you some heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to vote. You're going to vote? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready straight to vote. vote. We're yeah. ready to vote? All right. Get ready, okay. Shane. All right. One finger for Godfather Part 2, two fingers for Moulin Rouge. So confusing. On three. <laughs> One, two, three. There it is. Okay. Unanimous. I know, I know both, both of them two. have renditions of Smells Like Teenage Spirit. Uh, but <laughs> Teenage Spirit. <laughs> You're like an old man. <laughs> All right. Okay, Godfather Part Two. That's Moulin Rouge made it pretty far. Did we make it to the final four? No, we We still have two more for the final four. Oh, all right. Um, Okay, Blade Runner versus the Royal Tenenbaums. Again, two different genres, two different movies. (laughs) Yeah, very different. Very two very controlled films, I would say. 
distinct visual like obsessive styles. yeah obsessive films yeah. meticulous except they've like, established that ridley scott shoots his films the same way i eat cereal which is reckless abandon <laughs> i mean he's um, he's changed. anymore yeah he's changed a bit in the in the days i don't know yeah he's he's a lot different now now he has he's drones a, and he was the first filmmaker cameras. to raise his hand and say if you just got me more cameras, I could shoot this scene once and we'd be done and we could go home early. <laughs> I listen to the Rolls and Bum soundtrack all the time, still mm-hmm. in my life. Amazing like soundtrack. 20 years later. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Do you listen I, to uh, the Blade Runner soundtrack? No. I, I, that's not Vangelis. true. Come on. I rewatch Blade Runner once a year and now I have I'll, to watch 2049 once a year. <laughs> I'll put, I'll put them. I, I think I have that in my like movie soundtrack that I'll just put on when I'm doing background stuff. Mm. Adam, uh, what if you start rewatching Paddington two once a year? Uh, well, I mean, start watching it. You mean? Yeah, you you see it now because you have to. You have to. Mm-hmm. Got um, to. And then okay. you go. This is a rewatchable. Uh, you might. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to watch it. I'm going to try to watch it once and try to forget that you guys hype it up every time I see you. You should. Um, you love us, so you should love that. Yeah. Why don't you love them? <laughs> okay, we gotta talk about these movies. We gotta talk about these movies. These I, I do. I do think brain. it's 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 interesting. The um the line that we immediately were talking about is how these were are both kind of visually perfect, meticulous. Every little detail is precious and important to the directors of these films. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. an interesting kind of byline to maybe judge them against. I think I think Blade Runner had, in some ways, though, managed to influence a whole crop of other filmmakers, whereas Royal Tenenbaums only influenced Zach Braff. (laughs) (laughs) I should just lose for that fact alone. It's not his fault. Or, I mean, Wes Anderson. I would would say that Royal Tenenbaums influenced Paddington, too. If you look at stuff like the prison, the prison sequence, like... That that reeks of, rest, of like yeah, a Wes Anderson right. that well, You always say the compartmentalization and the dollhouse mm-hmm. uh, effect of things. It's like, well, let's just spread this. Let's build the set so we can see things. Yeah, as to and I'm not. sure there was some Italian ingenue director that from buttfuck nowhere, Sicily, that Wes Anderson <laughs> was like jizzing off to mm-hmm. that he loved oh, yeah. their style of, and he just completely like yeah. don't yeah, yeah. Wes. Don't I'm taking making these things as jokes. I love you, Wes. Yeah, <laughs> Zach Braff were pretty is... indifferent towards though. Yeah, unless this is being broadcast on a ham radio, he's not going to hear it. <laughs> a French station. Should we vote? I think we have to vote. Yeah, we've talked about these a lot. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. This Fuck. is tough. All right. I wish we could keep track. We someone should go back and keep track of where everyone voted and where they not necessarily no, contradicted no, no. themselves, but had to come to a crossroads. All right. One Don't let my voting Blade record Runner. represent me. <laughs> One finger for Blade Runner, two fingers for the Royal Tenenbaums on three. Mm. One, two, three. Oh, fuck, I can't even vote. Oh. What did I vote for? Oh. It's two and two. <laughs> it's a shaner. This it's is a shaner. shaner. Blade Runner versus Royal Tenenbaums. Shane. <laughs> Shane. These are two of your picks. <laughs> <laughs> you did this. <sighs> Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, shit. Oh, runner. Royal Tenenbaums. Wow. Royal Tenenbaums. Wow. Oh, my God. I think God. There's, there's an interesting thing, and I think it's a bias that we all have inherently, which is that if a movie is comedic or it's light or it doesn't have, you know, it's not a scaling epic, it it 
loses points compared to like something like an apocalypse now, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like it's dark. Like, because people always seem to associate dark mm-hmm. with yeah. serious and good. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, um, I, and that's, I, a, that's a bias I, that happens in award shows now. I uh, I found a list. I was going, I just, it popped up yesterday, like an io9 list. And it was like the worst endings to sci fi and horror movies. And what they put on there, The Mist. Um, that's so great because they, they were like because well that's the thing is like it's one of the I think one of the better endings to like a Stephen King adaptation and they said I can't believe it it made me feel so upset and it's like that doesn't make it a bad god damn it it's like when people go that that person is such a bad person in that movie and I didn't like him it's like because they're doing their job they're yeah. they're playing a bad guy mm-hmm. and I think people get that mixed up where they're like they think because they don't like something that it means it's bad uh, yeah. Or like, or you know what I mean? Like, or like you, it makes you feel a certain way about something and like, yeah, Blade mm-hmm. Runner is slow and it has a certain feeling to it. But it's like that to me is means the movie is successfully doing what it set up to do. It should be like a, yeah, a futuristic noir film, but just yeah, which be- it does. before we move on, I need to throw out just kind of just for my justification for why I said the Royal Tenenbaums. Why just, yeah, what's your it problem? has boobs in it and Blade Runner doesn't. So it was a simple, Blade Runner has boobs. Where? In that changing room. Mm-hmm. It's is that Daryl Hannah? No, no, it's not Daryl Hannah. It's the other one. The uh, snake lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. snake lady. Snake it's when she's getting her hair done. Yeah, you see her boobs. You see nipple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that in the with theatrical? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. In the VO side, she's like, and I noticed she had breasts. Wow. And then you hear him changing the page of the magazine he was reading. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the pages are stuck together. <laughs> well, I still stand by it. That's um, fine. Okay. We're moving on to The Exorcist versus Aliens. Fuck. This mm. is tough. This is real tough. This is very tough. And again, I think my, my point that I carry over is that people... People associate more serious movies, dramatic movies, with with that's a that's a that's a good movie because that's a serious film. Mm-hmm. But Aliens, cheesy action to some sometimes extent. Cheesy, sometimes a little Bill Paxton that's, at some point. But I, I, what I'm saying off. is that that shouldn't be a strike against it from being a good movie. I, th- I think this is the way that that like, the Academy Awards work, where it's like, oh, you, we have to, you know, we a movie that's like amazing, even though it's a comedy, can't get the same kind of reception as a movie that's serious. Yeah, I mean, buddy, we do have Terminator 2 we have Terminator going 2 in there. Un, uncontested, just dominating I'm not saying, its way. I'm just saying, so. pointing out a bias that exists in this yeah. industry. Yeah, but not I in think... A, not in our... In our discussion, I think we are, we're I immune. think we're defying it in yeah, our Yeah, we can see <laughs> Godfather 2, and then we have Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. and we have Terminator 2. I guess so I'm saying good for us. We're doing a fantastic job, and yeah, Shane. Pat on the back, yeah. Shane. Pat on the back, but we got to discuss this movie. So Exorcist... Versus aliens, one God. one is like the the pinnacle of a genre, like the horror genre, and the other is transformed because I because like I'm sure Alien kind of you would put that more in the camp of The Exorcist, but imagine if there was a sequel to The Exorcist where <laughs> it involved hold on, but where it involved Reagan. Going around firing laser beams out of her hand, hunting the devil, hunting the devil, and you loved it. Uh, I would. <laughs> uh, well, something I want to point out to everyone is that we are currently in a situation where Terminator Two and Aliens might go head to head for the final 
But James Cameron. I mean, I've always said he's a pretty perfect filmmaker. I've always felt that his movies are immaculate. So, um, what's he done recently, Joel? Whether or not they're oh. great. <laughs> Uh, uh, he, okay, he's, he's, he's underwater right now. He's thinking of how to make yeah. Avatar better. He'll find out his placement on this list in about six months when he resurfaces and his body <laughs> body pressure equalizes. This is so tough. This is tough. These are action, very, very horror. different movies. Action, horror. One, I feel like, set a tone that then influenced others, and one has a tone that hasn't been able to be recreated in a lot of cases. Oof. Such personalization. You guys, remember, eh, yep. remember when Newt didn't act anymore because I think James Cameron yelled at her. <laughs> she just didn't want to act, and then she ended up growing up and marrying the wild child from uh, Road Warrior. Oh, what? What yeah. a pairing. pairing! Yeah, yeah Newt, Newt and Wild Child married each other. You guys didn't hear about that? I think they <laughs> sell plants. They sell plants or something. And like they a sell pot. They grow pot. Pot. pot Probably. It's yeah, a plant. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Reagan also, okay. that actress also didn't do much afterwards because she said that her oh, spine what's her hurt. Name? Linda. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Yeah, yeah. I think Where's... she, I mean, that was a torturous experience for her. Yeah. Where's Bill Paxton been? He's dead. Dead. Bad news. Yeah. Bill Paxton passed away. It was game over for him. All right, mm. we got to vote. Uh, one finger for The Exorcist, two fingers for Aliens. Two fingers for Aliens. Mm. Oh, so Perfect film, not best film. Perfect film all right on wait three. which can you give me the fingers again james one for exorcist okay two for aliens all right this one makes sense okay <laughs> one two three. Oh wow aliens yeah. aliens oh. three yeah. to one if I, I had more time, dun, 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 I was going to go draw a dollar sign through an s the <laughs> same way james Cameron did <laughs> Wow. Yeah, aliens is, I mean, you, we're, we're comparing oranges and oranges here. You're right, we are. But they're very mm. different flavored oranges. One's blood orange. Um, okay, if, we have if reached we didn't our have, final if, four. If aliens never happened, Michelle Rodriguez wouldn't have a career. I just want to throw that out there. That's fair. <laughs> oh. That is fair. You should have thrown that out there before the vote. Mm, yeah, you should but we were all, We were all thinking it. Uh, isn't it weird how he had Vasquez and Aliens, but then he had Michelle Rodriguez and Avatar? Because he thought they were the same person? Yes. Yeah, he's like, so good to be working with you again. She's like, ah. Um, okay. <laughs> we have to keep going right now. Oh, the final four. Final four, baby. All right, we're coming around, the, coming around the bend on this. I apologize for the long podcast. Terminator 2 versus Godfather Part 2. It's a bunch of three sequels in the finals here. Weird. Sometimes, sometimes it needs you need a second chance to make it all oh, right. Man. Didn't expect that. Yeah. It's, it's natural when you're trying something new to have to have it be good but flawed. Yeah, I was I would say of these four, Godfather Two is the one I expected in this in this stage yeah. of the game. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I, the, I don't know. As more time goes on, people pre, they continue to appreciate Terminator Two for what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're 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 such polar opposite movies. That's that's the tough part. They yeah. both got a two in the title. We, we probably should have done like perfect horror movie, perfect action movie, perfect comedy, and then, they, and then all of the genres battle each other at the very yeah. end in a, the same nonsensical way. <laughs> Over the course of twenty five <laughs> podcasts, we will be breaking down. Um, 
Okay. Uh, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these, not necessarily against each other. They both up the ante in incredible ways from the movies that they they follow. Um, but other than they, that, they're almost entirely different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, th- I think Terminator, Terminator 2, excuse me, um, maybe more to me epitomizes that this is a summer blockbuster. This is an action movie. You're supposed to go to a movie theater and sit down and eat popcorn and watch things explode in front of your face. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, The Godfather's 2 is is a much more, you know, ponderous, you know, it's it's about the spirit of America and the American dream and what violence men can do. You know, one is about seeing cool stuff happen and the other one is more, I think, evaluating things about life and, and mm-hmm. modern, or not modern America, but uh, America from the previous century. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Terminator 2 is pretty cerebral in what it asks you to think about in terms of AI and the future and artificial intelligence uh, and singularity and that kind of stuff. Like, like Adam sort of touched on that earlier, that it has all those those deep sci-fi themes. But it, uh, the movie, I think the movie, like, up front doesn't ask those questions in it necessarily mm-hmm. beyond, like, will Skynet kill us all? Like, it, it mm-hmm. asks you to ask those questions of yourself later. She yeah. does write. <laughs> she does write what, what no fate or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were um, you were kind of knocking the acting in Terminator Two earlier, and The Godfather Part Two probably has two of the greatest actors of all time in the film. Yeah, three. Not necessarily making it a more perfect film. I mean, but James maybe Con making it a better film. at the end. But yeah, I mean, three. Okay, three. Well, yeah, yeah, it's got an element going for it that's that's pretty mm-hmm. untouchable in that respect. Yeah. Um, I will say this just, I don't know that it's necessarily a knock against Godfather 2, but it should be said, uh, it doesn't have a scene where Edward Furlong plugs a thing into an ATM and then goes, easy money, <laughs> and then goes to the arcade to play after Easy money. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah there probably, maybe there's a point where he wraps a uh, towel around the end of a pistol and he goes, easy money. Easy money. Um, there is that part there where Fredo goes, now I know why you cry. <laughs> I know now why you cry. <laughs> then he puts his um, thumb up as he's getting lowered into the lake. Very similar. Very similar. You guys ready to vote? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. I guess they're no, just too different. Okay. They're too different. Damn. Yeah. I know. No, they both have twos in them. They're the same. All right. Okay. Okay. One finger for Terminator Two. Two fingers for Godfather Part Two. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Hold on. I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> Come on. I'm still thinking. Okay. Ooh. Come on. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Oh my god. Oh no. my god. Oh, it's a tie. I just, I, <laughs> no. uh, Terminator Two is a, is so good, but Vito Corleone, Marlon Brand, I mean, De Niro. I can't. Is not a, I can't. Niro, yeah. He's in Mar- it. He's in it. Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't. <laughs> well, either way, it doesn't matter. Now it's Shane's job. <laughs> Terminator Two, Godfather Part Two, Shane. Perfect film. Perfect film. Man, I I love T Two, but. Godfather is two is the better. Okay, better. The more perfect, more perfect. Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. All right, oh. Godfather two, Terminator two falls. 
Can't believe wow. it. Wow. Judgment Day has come for the Terminator franchise. And dun, 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 dun. left wanting. All right. Well, I, I, you I make that, that noise every time. time. You guys were in perfect sync with the Terminator theme <laughs> when you did that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wow. happens. It's, yeah. Okay. We got to keep going. There's only two more battles left. Oh. We're doing Ro- the Royal Tenenbaums versus Aliens. <laughs> All right, let's vote. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, right. are we ready to vote? Is there anything we need yeah. to say about these? I, I think we, I am. We, we've already talked about these, both those movies this hour, so mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let me just think. Let me just give me just two seconds. All right. Just to run it through my own head. Okay. All right. All right, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Which are we? Wait, right. yeah, what's what? Royal Tenenbaums is one finger. Aliens is two fingers. You guys ready? Mm. Oh, yeah. All right. On three. One, two, three. Oh, aliens. Aliens. Wow. I didn't expect both of the Willems brood to vote on the same thing. Wow. You or to, to vote separate. against Tenenbaums. You yeah. need to separate yourself from the movies that you love sometimes. And I love Aliens as well, but, you know, Royal Tenenbaum speaks to me on a truly yeah. emotional it's, level. It's funny. I, th- I think T2 is the better crazy awesome sequel compared mm-hmm. to Aliens. I know it, it doesn't I, matter. That's not where they we'll were never know. Up, we'll, we'll never know, Dan. Yeah, but it, we'll yeah, never see. Had, had, had Aliens gone up against Godfather 2, I would have still voted for Godfather. So, mm. yeah. That's how basketball works, Dan. Welcome to the game. <laughs> okay, we are here. It's the finals, guys. Um, oh, and so made we it. only have one more to go. We have Godfather Part 2 versus Aliens. Perfect film. Mm. Never thought it was possible to narrow it down this this specifically we did it. this accurately. We're done. getting closer to perfection. We've done it. Um <laughs> Why wasn't Roadhouse on this list? We also probably should have had a buy round because Terminator 2 technically had more victories than anyway. Um also kicking myself for not including a single PT Anderson movie, which is double elimination. Mm. Which yeah, one would you have included? Boogie Nights. I think yeah, that's his Boogie Nights or There Will Be Blood are like two of his most perfect movies. Yep. I agree. But uh, they're not on the list. I know. And if they're not they're on the fools. list, it means they're trash. Um, love. All right, love it. here we go. Godfather Part Two versus Aliens. Mm. This is these are so. I mean, they're sequels again. I would say that Terminator Two, like Dan was saying about being a go to the movie theater, eat popcorn thing. Aliens is m- probably more that, but less that than Terminator Two. Acting performance, arguably stronger than Terminator Two. Can can Shane yeah. just vote for me? <laughs> He's allowed to vote. He's allowed to vote yet. Um, okay, are you guys ready? Do you guys, you guys ready? I'm trying to think, no, to, trying to think about a way uh, to even compare these movies. They're so different. I know. Other, yeah. other than, I guess we could also call this bracket the greatest, se- the perfect sequel of all time. Mm. Also, no, it's what it's devolved the into. That, yeah, the ones that I, I, the ones that weren't just got eliminated. Yeah. I just, I just think that's fascinating. Usually people, you know, think of sequels as you return to something and beat the dead horse into the ground and but, you've used up all your good ideas. But in both of these cases, the directors elevated themselves over the first effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. I agree. You're you're right. Mostly. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, God, Godfather reference there for you. Yeah, I got it. Um, all right. Are you guys ready to pick the perfect film? Objectively. No. Elise, are you ready? You look My a little stomach distraught. hurts. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. This it's is like, a cost. There's a lot of ramifications from this choice. It's yeah. trying to separate my head from my heart here. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it requires both. Um, well, in this case, no. <laughs> uh, okay. One finger for Godfather Part 2. Two fingers for Aliens. Perfect film. <sighs> you guys ready? No. Yeah. Okay. On three. Wait, what were the fingers again? I already forgot. <laughs> God, one finger for Godfather Part Two. Okay, I got you. Two fingers for Aliens. Shit. Hmm. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold right on. in the Matrix. Let me just think. Let me just think. Okay. All right. All right. Jim Cotta. Right. On <laughs> three. One. Two. Three. Oh wow! Okay, oh. Godfather Part Two. Shane spared. Mm. Godfather Part Two takes it all. Aliens is trash. That's what you've indicated. <laughs> <laughs> so God. James, what, what what made you go with aliens? Because I was really waffling. What, um, what was making you lean that way? Because I know it's a real tough call. They're both amazing I, films. I, I understand that Godfather Part Two is fantastic. I think I have always thought that there's maybe a little bit, it's a little unbalanced maybe between, because uh, it's essentially two stories. And anytime I watch it, I'm like, just get back to Robert De Niro. Just get back to Robert De Niro. And then it'll go to... It'll go to uh, Al Pacino, and he's like, "I gotta get this casino up and running," you know, like and, <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like less interested in that aspect. So I've always felt that in Godfather Two, it it was unbalanced because I wasn't necessarily equally invested in both stories. I think they both have amazing payoff and reach great climaxes, but for whatever reason, uh, I just have never been drawn to that side of it. Aliens is one story, but it is just a straight shot. And it doesn't, it's like a bullet. And, and again, like a lot of the things that I had thrown onto this list, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, I think that's just something that I, appeals to me more. The, the ability to, to gather momentum, rocket it off, and then maintain that momentum just seems so impressive to me. I can't imagine that there's a better cut, you know, of aliens i know there's an extended there, version there is yeah they got turrets in the hallway it's pretty cool but i don't think it's better <laughs> is the thing kind of like the other ones that we've mentioned i don't know that it's necessarily better i think there's more so if you already like it you get more but that movie is just like pace 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 that's interesting because you also like movies with scope that take place over a long time that's yeah which i think is part of it i love again i love the don corleone story of godfather part two i love it it's the it's the other stuff that I'm like only oh I think like that's that's a good movie yeah the other one is a perfect You're more movie of a veto man and <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm more of a veto man um, and so that's those are just the things that informed my personal um, completely unbiased brave. Um and I'm okay I I'm perfectly if Godfather two takes it that's why I gather this council of objective experts and just for the record Shane what what did you have here. 
He left. I was, I was actually. He ran away. <laughs> I was actually going uh, towards Alien. I, I, I love Godfather <gasps> too, but. All right. Okay. Wow. The just the 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 straight straight path uh, in the story um, and just you know the design overall design of the whole film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. But even even if you had voted with me, it wouldn't have been enough, and that's <laughs> why we have put all these fail safes in place. We got to the bottom of it. Godfather Part Two. It took us two podcasts to do it. I really like these bracket discussions, these bracket debates. This is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's other categories. Uh, Thank you guys for watching and listening. Thank you to our sponsors this episode. Um, Thank you to my guests, Elise, Adam, Dan, for joining me uh, on this episode. If there's other things you want us to do a bracket showdown battle about, um, let us know. Best Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, that's I, the, these brackets are fun. And I, I just like having the discussion. I don't feel like I'm debating with you guys about it. I feel like we all kind of collectively love all of these films and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and also appreciate the silliness. Definite of. kill your darling scenario. Yeah, sometimes you have to unless you're me, in which case I always voted with my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, never forget. Moulin Rouge made it further than Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, Fifth Element, um, Monsters. Shane. Yeah. Shane. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time on Filmhouse. Boo boy. Bye.